At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. This is the Los Angeles CityCast with Danielle Alvari, presented by Bet Rivers. Hey there, and welcome into your Monday edition of the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. I'm your host, Danielle Alvari. Lots, lots going on this weekend. But before I get into that, uh, I might have jury duty this week. I got like a summons actually recently that said, hey, Danielle, uh, you ignored your jury summons, which I move a lot. I don't know. So apparently I missed missed my last one and you know that's not so good and they're threatening to find me etc so then i was like okay relax i'll reschedule it man um and it's supposed to be for this week so i guess i call in i've never done this before i've successfully dodged this several times which i'm sorry it's not that i'm trying to ignore my patriotic duty but i've successfully dodged this several times because every time they get me i've already moved to the next state for example i was in la ucla went to wyoming for my first job and sorry, I'm in Wyoming, can't help you out. And I just, I kept moving every year, so I kept missing them, and now uh, the Reaper has come. So I'm gonna have to call in for that, I guess. So wish me luck, guys. <laughs> Hopefully I don't have to do it. You did not have to wish Scotty Scheffler luck. He won the Masters, number one golfer in the world, won the number one major, just dominated in the final three rounds. $2.7 million payout for him, uh, and honestly, hottest golfer in the world right now what, 10 under on 278 to win his first career major on Sunday? I mean, incredible, incredible job. Fifth golfer ever to enter Augusta National, ranked number one in the world, and go on to win the Masters. Joining, of course, Ian Woosnam, Fred Couples, Tiger Woods, and Dustin Johnson. That's just from 2020, so maybe this is just a new trend that's coming in. Because Dustin Johnson was the first to do it since Tiger Woods did it 2001-02. 
Now, Scheffler, this was his fourth on the PGA Tour this season. Uh, first, fourth win, rather, which makes him the first golfer since Arnold Palmer in 1960, and only the second ever, mind you, obviously, to win as many events, including the Masters, in that span of time. So break it down for you. Scheffler has won all four of his PGA Tour events in just a 57-day span. If you don't bet on golf, this has got to be really, really shocking. Uh, if you uh, rather, if you do bet on golf, but if you don't, like that's very uncommon to have somebody winning outright in this many tournaments in that short span of a time. But I'm sure that he's been on everybody who bets in golf's card and in their circle because he's the number one golfer in the world, right? But man, four PGA Tour event wins in a 57 day span, shortest stretch from a first to fourth victory in PGA Tour history. This, of course, after he failed to get a win in his first 70 events on the PGA Tour. I remember talking about Scotty last season on primetime action with Matt Brown, with Kelly Bidlin, with Gil Alexander, and this was one of the guys they always had. Now, they are way more, obviously, they are hardcore golf betters, and I say hardcore because compared to me, that's what they are. I very rarely dabble. It's it's uh, it's something new for me, definitely, that I'm tiptoeing into. Also, Pamela Maldonado of Yahoo Sportsbook, she's been somebody that I've been following pretty closely to start to learn more about this. But again, know what you're good at, know what you enjoy, focus on that. It can get a little overwhelming, especially working in sports, uh, but working in sports betting, especially, or hosting a podcast about all of the LA sports, when I'm not an expert on every one of these sports, and I don't bet each of them equally, and I'm not equally good at winning bets in each of these sports. That's just important to know, and that's why I track my bets uh, and try to just learn as much as possible. I hope we're all here to learn. So in today's show, part one, NBA playoffs, some WNBA, the WNBA draft, of course, is Monday. Yes, WNBA draft going on. So we'll talk about some WNBA as well. And then, of course, get into some baseball. Dodgers and Angels, neither team off to a swell start, but at least there was a start, right? For a while, it was a little touch and go. We did start late in the baseball season, but at least it's here. Angels host the Marlins on Monday. Quick talk on that. And Dodgers at the Twins on Tuesday. But first things first, we always check out the Los Angeles lines available at Bet River Sportsbook. Let's start with the NBA, the play-in. That's right. NBA playoffs slash play-in. We're going to talk about that. Clippers are 18 to 1 to win the West on Bet Rivers right now. 35 to 1 to win the championship. Those are down last week. That was 20 to 1 to win the West and 51 to win the championship. Now down to 35. So I hope you grabbed it before then if you wanted it. Uh, Tuesday, action. Seven seed Timberwolves are two and a half point favorites versus the Clippers, the eight seed. Total sitting around 230. Money line at Bat Rivers, Timberwolves minus 137, Clippers plus 112. Playoff basketball, or play in basketball at least, is back and it is grand. Uh, as for baseball, the Marlins and the Angels, like I said, in action on Monday. No line yet for Dodgers Twins on Tuesday. But for the Angels game, Monday, Marlins plus 118 on the money line. Minus 177 on the run line. So that is Marlins plus one and a half runs. And of course, at the Angels here, the Angels money line minus 139. And their run line, so Angels minus one and a half runs is plus 140. Total sitting at nine and a half. So we'll get into that a little bit later. But off the top here, before, before so you don't have to wait till the end of the pod, or I guess you could skip ahead. I, I already think that the Angels... Obviously, money line doesn't look too crazy out of control, minus 139. But the way they've been playing, I don't know. This market kind of seems to have overvalued them. 
So maybe there's something like a, a total to be looked at here, something under maybe in the first five. NHL, Kings lost to the Wild on Sunday, 6-3. Tuesday, they are back in action. Kings at Blackhawks. They are right now 75-1 to to win the Pacific Division, but 30-1 to to win the Stanley Cup. Isn't hockey screwy? Isn't that fun? Uh, the Ducks lost to the Hurricanes on Sunday, 5-2. And on Tuesday, Ducks at Panthers. As for the NFL, if that's your bag, see again, so many things to bet on. Just pick what you're good at and uh, what you enjoy. The NFL right now, the Rams plus 150 to win the NFC West, plus 550 to win the NFC, 12 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. Those are the fifth shortest odds. You can find all of these odds and so much more at Bet River Sportsbook. Make sure you check them out. We'll start with the MNBA. And yes, we're going to call it that because uh, why not? We have to distinguish between the two, right? The Lakers. We'll talk about it. It's like, man, how many times have I said that on this podcast? But this will be probably for the last time, but maybe not because this team loves the drama. You know, we're in LA makes the big splashy headlines. It's so great that LeBron came to this team because that's where he needed to be. Uh, but it certainly hasn't necessarily worked out probably how we thought it would. Yes. They did bring a championship here. We didn't forget, but this season being at the forefront of our minds right now, the Lakers beat the nuggets in overtime on Sunday, 146 to 141 Malik Monk, Career-high 41 points. Pulled the Lakers as close as five points at one point. It's so interesting, too, right? We have starters on both sides sitting out in this kind of game. And so we got to kind of see the young Bucks like, get to work. And lo and behold, Austin Reeves. Triple-double in his rookie season. He joins Elgin Baylor, Jerry West, Magic Johnson, and Lonzo Ball as uh, the only Lakers with triple-doubles in their rookie season. So not bad company at all. He hit a big three with 16 seconds left. And then after a steal, he went coast to coast, game-tying layup, sent it to overtime. And then he finished this career night with 28 points, 15 rebounds, and 10 assists. And yes, Malik Monk, career-high 41 points. Killer. Killer. Now, that wasn't the only news that broke in the Lakers' sphere, uh, besides them winning in overtime to finish the season off, if you will. Shout-out to Reeves for extending their season to an overtime. Frank Vogel officially out as coach. We've talked about this on the pod ahead of time. We all knew this was coming, but Woj officially tweeted it out. He said, Frank Vogel has coached his final game for the Lakers, a decision that is expected to be shared with him as soon as Monday, sources tell ESPN. So as you're listening to this, we hope that, that Frank's finally gotten word of this. I don't know if he's just he's got like several phones, maybe he has a burner. Um, maybe right after the game, he you know, went on vacation. Why would he not have heard of this? That's such a weird way to say this. Uh, he also went on to say, the Woj did, uh, Woj tweet said, Lakers search expected to be lengthy and expansive with no clear initial front runner. Because yeah, you're getting rid of Vogel for what? We'll get into that in just a second here. Uh, now also Woj wrote an article on ESPN that detailed this, that Vogel signed Originally a three-year contract in 2019, he received a one-year extension through 2022-23 this past offseason and said following Sunday's game that he hadn't been told anything about his future with the team. Quote, I haven't been told shit, and I'm going to enjoy tonight's game, celebrate what these young guys did in terms of scratching and clawing and getting back in this game and getting a W, and we'll deal with tomorrow tomorrow, he told reporters during his post-game media availability. I haven't been told shit. Hilarious. Hilarious. And not hilarious because a man is being fired, but he'll be all right. That said, 
Notice that he also said, I'm going to celebrate what these young guys did in terms of scratching and clawing and getting back in this game and getting a W. Like, defensive-minded coach here and probably really happy to see those young guys out there doing their thing. Yes, he didn't necessarily play Reeves a lot of the time during the season where maybe they could have used that kind of defensive prowess, but do you think that was a result of Vogel's decisions or do we think that's a result of having a team of superstars, including Russell Westbrook, who probably did not want to be benched for an Austin Reeves type of situation? Lots of different opinions on this. Charles Barkley talked about this. He had, you know, a tweet out there of a video, obviously on his show, where he said, they've scapegoated Frank and Russ all year. Is that the case? Is that the case? Uh, has it really been other things that we can point to on this Lakers team for reasons why they haven't worked well? And the answer is, spoiler alert, yes, there have been other reasons. Uh, if we look at Russell Westbrook, we don't need to rehash how the – really the whole season went up until the final couple games. He did finish strong, we can say, but that was not predominantly what we saw from Russell Westbrook this year. It was really bad shooting, really ill-timed, bad, just taking bad shots too. Not just not making shots, but taking bad shots, uh, taking far too many shots. Now, in his final 10 games, this, according to StatMuse, 22.2 points per game, 7.4 rebounds per game, 7.1 assists per game, 52.1% field goal percentage, and then 41.5% three-point percentage on 4.1 attempts. So locked it up a little bit, walked it back, and finished a lot better than he... I don't even say started, because if you want to say started, it was through most of this season... I get people coming to defend Russell Westbrook in this situation. He's not the only reason the Lakers are unsuccessful this year, but he is a crucial part of why they were unsuccessful, and part of that being team chemistry and roster construction, his age, his style of play. As soon as this trade went through, I think a lot of people from the jump were like, Russell Westbrook with AD and LeBron? Yes, those we know who those are. Those are great stars. They're great players, but are they going to fit together? And I think we all had our reservations about that. I, very few people who were like, yeah, this is going to be dominant. It was dominant because it's Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Now you're adding another superstar. Okay, this is going to be great. But what happened with the Nets this year? I mean, James Harden no longer plays there. Uh, Kyrie had to sit out a lot of the year due to other restrictions. It's just, it's not a guarantee just because you put three superstars in. I think we saw things like that, right? Like Kevin Durant going to the Warriors, situations like that where we've seen it be successful. But that said, the Russell Westbrook experiment has happened. And whether you defend him or not in this situation with the Lakers, I'd like to know how many teams are going to be clamoring to get a hold of Russell Westbrook. Is anyone right now? No. So that's where we're at with Westbrook right now. And also, what are the Lakers going to do in terms of their just their salary cap situation, obviously? Again, Russell Westbrook contract being as big as it is it's going to be it would be hard to offload on somebody else uh brandon raybar also a okc thunder beat writer tweeted this out so this would kind of fall into the category of defending westbrook lebron missed a third of the season ad missed one half of the season westbrook only missed one game until la was eliminated that game that he missed lebron and ad both played and lost to the tanking blazers i remember that game I think I had the under. Uh, Russ put up 18.5, 7.4, and 7.1 averages on the season, yet Westbrook is getting all the blame. Come on. So, again, Brandon Raybar, OKC Thunderbeat writer, 
tweeted that out, obviously in defense of Westbrook not getting all the blame. That being the key words here, right? All the blame. People on Twitter love to get mad about stuff. I'm going to try not to get mad about this. I like a lot of this tweet. Um, and yes, Westbrook shouldn't be getting all of the blame. But I also think it's funny that we're talking about, well, LeBron missed all this time and AD missed all this time when Westbrook only missed one game. But didn't they play better when he did, like when he wasn't in? I obviously only missed one game, but there were moments where he needed to be pulled. Literally got benched a fourth quarter and had a hissy fit about it. We remember. So you're also making it hard for Frank Vogel to do his job. But when you're dealing with this roster, he knew that coming in. And then who wants the job with the Lakers? Any, I mean, whoever likes money, right, at this point. Um, that said, I think that there were just, I think it's obvious, actually, that there were issues between Westbrook and Vogel. And even there's some of this out there as well, that a Lakers staff member with knowledge of the situation, uh, this was from an LA Times reporter, I believe, said that Russell Westbrook, uh, the Lakers staff member said, that Russell Westbrook never respected Frank Vogel from day one. Uh, he said the moment Frank said, anybody who gets the rebound can bring it up the court, which is just how the NBA is played these days, Russ would be like, no, I'm the point guard, give me the ball, everybody run. And Vogel would be like, no, we have, we have Taylor Horton Tucker, we have Austin Reeves, we have Malik, we have LeBron, we have AD, they can all bring the ball up. And he was like, no, I'm the point guard, everybody out of the way. Who knows, right? You know, he said, she said kind of situation. But if that's what's going on in training camp, off out of the gates, like this is not a match made in heaven, right? And I think casual fans saw that from the get-go when this trade was made. So Russell just kind of looked out of his element this season he looked really off it's not and some you know people like to point to well his age and what he brought to this game was his freakish amazing athleticism and I also think by the way it's so funny that in sports when we say freak athlete we mean it as like the highest possible caliber like we mean it so nicely but if you say freak in pretty much any other context like it's not you can't you can't call someone a freak especially like in you know 1990s early 2000s movies that's like what the bully would call the kid in high school uh, but that said, Russell had this freak athleticism, and I think that people are pointing to, well, he's aging, and that's why, you know, that was his advantage, and now we don't see him maybe performing at that level. He was never a strong shooter, right? And it's weird, because we remember him as the triple-double king, and uh, that doesn't necessarily mean an effective field goal shooter, and that's never been the case, necessarily. It's been his incredible athleticism, his ability... Uh, to go after the ball and he's just more tenacious than a lot of other players in some ways and so if he stops caring then the tenacity maybe goes down or if he gets older then maybe the athleticism goes down and then what are we left with and basically is his style of play transitioning well to what's going on in the NBA right now that said just the Russell Westbrook situation did not work out and I don't think anybody was shocked I don't think anybody was shocked is he the reason that the Lakers struggled so much this year solely? No. Like, come on. We're able to hold more than one thought in our mind at a time. And Frank Vogel's not the reason either. In fact, to wrap this up on the Lakers, you could make a list of things that went wrong for them this season. Injuries. Okay. But other teams have dealt with that before. Similar ones to, like, to big stars. Clay Thompson, for example, for the Warriors. Uh the Clippers also, by the way, played all season pretty much without Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. And so you're saying, oh, LeBron missed the third of the season. AD missed half. Okay, whatever. But injuries, nevertheless, contributed. Continuity, which is a factor of the injuries, of course. And then also probably a battle between the Russell Westbrooks, the Frank Vogels, and whoever else. 
But continuity being an issue, trying to figure out what's going to work for them, who's going to play the five when AD's out, in, out, in, out. And then age being a factor for this team as well. Freaking team's old, right? Roster construction being a huge glaring issue and people pointing out, yeah, like GM LeBron did this and now he has to lay in his bed. And then, I mean, bad chemistry. Just what we are just talking about. Russell Westbrook not being necessarily the best fit. Bad coaching decisions can be on your list, sure, but it's not high on my list. So, did firing Frank Vogel, like, solve the Lakers' problems? No. This Unfortunately, the season has ended, but the beginning of solving these issues is just, they're just at the beginning of this. The Lakers end the regular season with 33-49 and 49 record. Uh, it's still shocking because, again, this was a team that was, what, in the top three of the shortest odds all season long, it felt, to win this championship because they had the players they had on it. But if you're not actually playing in games, you can't, you know, win enough to make playoffs. It's it's shocking. This is a huge, huge disappointment. Huge letdown as far as the NBA is concerned, let alone the Lakers fan base. So that's really tough. Fortunately, one LA team is still in the mix. The Clippers, they played OKC on Sunday, I believe. LA won 138-88. to Yeah. I looked at the Bet River splits for this, and 90, what, 98% of the money line was on the Clippers, which was not shocking, but also like 87% of the spread was as well. So hopefully those cash for you if you're one of those lucky bettors. And now the Clippers move on to play-ins, not playoffs just yet. Um... Quick notes on these playoff plans, just in case you are newer or need a refresher. So four of the eight first round matchups are already set. The other four, of course, are going to be decided by the play-in tournament. I like the play-in. I'm just going to asterisk there. I know it's new. I've enjoyed it so far. And maybe it's because we had that bubble season to get us excited about. But regardless, uh, play-in tournament, top two seeds in each conference. We'll wait to see who they play after that. So this is how the plan works. Number seven plays number eight. That's what we're going to see with the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves versus the number eight Clippers. And then nine plays 10. The winner of seven, eight gets the seven seed. So they're playing for that seven. And the loser has to play another game. They play the winner of the nine, 10 game. So if you're nine, 10, you got to play two games to get in, right? Makes sense uh, to get the number eight seed. So really we're trying to fight for seven and eight seed here amongst four teams. The Clippers... Postseason for the 10th time in the last 11 seasons. They're coming off their lone conference finals appearance during that span. Uh, lest we forget. I can't wait to get JVT back on the show. Clippers fan, NBA senior analyst at VEASAN. Uh, not necessarily in that order. But we were talking about this team. We were kind of hyped on them in December because they looked like this promising team, at least in terms of they had that lockdown defense. They had Paul George. He was in. He was out. Uh, it was the start of the season, and Paul George was a little maybe under-delivering, you could say. But as time went on, then we see him out of the ro rotation, and we're seeing all these role players kind of have to step up. But the defense is impeccable, and we're like, man, when Paul George comes back. So I can't wait to see where he's at with this. I'm actually joining him for a podcast tomorrow. I believe it's Hardwood Handicappers, his podcast. A really great one to check out if you haven't heard that one before. I definitely recommend. Uh, so we're going to join him tomorrow to talk a little bit about uh, the Clippers because the Lakers are done. Now when I say L.A., you guys know which team I'm talking about because there's only one left. Uh, the key move, honestly, the only one that the Clippers made was trading for Norman Powell, which upgraded their lineup in February. He played three games. He went out with an injury. 
wore a boot, saw him at the UCLA-USC game. He was hyped. Four-year basketball player. Remember those? Remember those? From San Diego, California. Such an easy guy to root for, and especially because he should be healthy enough to go. So we'll see um, how everything's looking, but he looked good in his game back the other night. We'll just say that. And his scoring with Paul George, oh yeah, absolutely. And what's hilarious is the elephant in the room, the missing piece, the missing link, Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> not even playing with this team and we're talking about them in terms of their playoff abilities here and and i like them to kind of make a little run here and they don't even have their best their star player it's it's this is there's nothing better than the nba timberwolves clippers on tuesday april 12th 9 30 p.m eastern 6 30 pacific the timberwolves are two and a half point favorites total sitting at 230 the head-to-head -head record here, the Clippers own that, 3-1 to one this season. Overall record, I mean, why? But sure. Uh, Minnesota, 46-36 and 36 in the regular season, and the Clippers, 42-40. and 40. So pretty closely matched, 7-8s here. Uh, but interesting in terms of the numbers, looking at cleaning the glass here. I'm just looking at the last six weeks here in this iteration because I want to just see how the recent form has looked, and especially with this Clippers team who... These NBA seasons are so long, and I'm saying that as we're heading into baseball season, which is oh, also long. But the first part of the Clippers season versus the middle part versus the last third, very different. So I, I like to look more like at recency when I'm looking at numbers. But you also have to consider, well, now Paul George is back in the mix, but that's been a couple games now. So that said, Minnesota in the last six weeks, fourth in efficiency differential in the NBA of the 30 teams, fifth in points per 100 possessions, and fourth in effective field goal percentage. Top five in those three categories, that's efficient. That's great. On the defensive side, not as strong. 12th in points allowed per 100 possessions, and 15th in their defensive effective field goal percentage. But not, not anything shameful, right? Right around the middle of the pack kind of with that, or more towards the upper echelon, if you will. But 20th in offensive rebounding percentage and 19th in turnover percentage on offense. So Clippers actually very good at exploiting that kind of turnover situation. Uh, so I think that's going to be their key to success here is creating those turnovers. The Clippers on the other side, offensively, very very much more middle of the pack than the Timberwolves, right? 13th in efficiency differential overall. 13th in points per 100 possessions. 15th in effective field goal percentage. And 5th in offensive turnover percentage. So they're taking care of the ball well, and they're also creating turnovers on the other side. That's what I like to see. I like to see it in the college level as well. You've probably heard me say it. On the defensive side of things, the Clippers, 11th in points allowed per 100 possession. Now, again, Minnesota was 12th, so maybe neck and neck in the last six weeks there. But I think the Clippers have the defensive advantage here. And it's even more so illustrated by the fact that they are 5th in defensive effective field goal percentage. Minnesota is 15th. So, uh, offensive rebounding, as I mentioned, kind of not a strength for Minnesota, 20th there. But the Clippers are 17th in offensive rebounding. If they have a slight edge there, that's actually really impressive to me. Um, shout out Zubak. Shout out, you know, whoever in that situation that created that. Looking at this matchup, I like the Clippers in this game. I do. I like them in this game. We'll see. I may actually sit this first. You know, I may, I may, may see this one out. Um, 
because I want to enjoy it, but also because I think it's going to be tough because I do think these are going to be pretty, pretty interesting matchup. I like the Clippers in this game. Moneyline on Bat Rivers is plus 112. Do with that what you will. Uh, before we wrap up the basketball section of this pod, let's talk WNBA because the WNBA draft in person Monday, first time since 2019, taking place at Spring Studios in the Tribeca section of New York. I love how much WNBA stuff happens in New York, and I wonder if that has anything to do with the New York Liberty owner who has just done such an incredible job. Or maybe that's just because New York, you know, it's the place to be. But I feel like NBA stuff happens all over, or I don't know, Chicago, Cleveland, whatever. Uh, but yeah, the WNBA happening in a uh, draft in New York on Monday. Uh, coverage begins at 4 p.m. Pacific time. Do not be late. 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. Also, side note, there was a tweet about how well-received and how... Um, I was going to say well-attended, but yes, well-attended, but also how many people watched the Women's National Championship basketball game. And you may or may not have seen this. An ESPN reporter tweeted it out and said it was the most watched college basketball game, parentheses, men's or women's, ever. And uh, on ESPN, on ESPN, very critical part, could not miss that part. And if you just read through the replies, which just some life advice, don't, don't do that. If you read through the replies, it's, it's so many, and I'm sorry to say, but it's mostly men. I just think that the women probably don't care. I don't think the women on Twitter care about it as much. I don't know. Uh, at least to get involved and, and make a reply. But it's so many, I'll just say, people on Twitter responding saying, well, the men's tournament isn't played on ESPN, so this is a misleading tweet, and da-da-da. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. And it's not misleading because it says on ESPN. And you guys are demonstrating the fact that everybody knows that the men's tournament isn't played on ESPN. So you feel misled? I don't. I can't help you. I don't know. Uh, but... That was basically my uh, long way of saying, don't read the replies. Don't let anybody who can't affect your life in real life affect your life from online because no. That said, lots of exciting things coming this way for women's basketball is what I took away from that tweet. Lots of people interested in watching it. And you can tell uh, that the game is growing because when the WNBA revealed their list of players who have declared for the draft, 88 names. Okay, doesn't sound too crazy. Okay, 88 names. I mean, that's a lot. But there are 144 total players in the WNBA. 144. And there's 88 names that have declared for the draft. Like, this is tough. And then, of course, the response is expand the league, expand the league. But I'm also selfishly, as, as a fan of this league, excited to see the talent just, just grow. And it's unfortunate because in some ways you have like, for example, on the NBA side, MNBA, you have the G League and there's a way to kind of develop that young talent. I don't know that the WNBA has that resource yet. And it makes sense in terms of where they're at in their league development, right? We're just celebrated the 20th anniversary of this league. My God. Um, I mean, the men's league has what a 50 year head start on that. So when we look at this, it makes sense to me, but I selfishly as a fan, I'm very excited that basically only the absolute cream of the crop, best of the best can make it. But it's also sad because how many guys have we seen in the NBA who got their shot in some kind of back way where they kind of worked their way in or worked in the G League or went overseas? And yes, the women play overseas, so that is a great option as well for a lot of these women. And they get paid a lot more to play overseas, so that's great as well. Uh... I'm just excited to see 
the new talent that they bring in because there's so few spots. So you know we're getting like the stars. You're getting the best of the best. Um, it is sad that there's only 12 teams in the WNBA. Uh, three rounds of the draft. The Atlanta Dream on the clock first. They got the no number one overall pick from the Washington Mystics. Uh, there was actually some drama unfolding on Sunday ahead of this. The Lynx, Minnesota Lynx, traded their top two picks, number eight and 13 overall, to the Las Vegas Aces, who are contenders year in and year out the last couple of years here. Uh, I believe it was the Storm and the Aces the last two years as the favorites to kind of win this. And two years ago, frankly, it was the two of them facing off. Uh, but Lynx traded number eight, number 13 to Las Vegas uh, first and second round picks in 2023. So they'll get picks next year. Um, which is nice because the Lynx having two first round picks in 2023, that's going to be when they're going to be without their center, Sylvia Fowles, who will retire after this season. When I was reading about this movement, I didn't realize that Sylvia Fowles was retiring after this season and it made me so sad. Um, incredible, but I'm just going to savor, savor this season with her and savor her cheekbones and just all of it. Take it all in. Uh, for salary cap reasons, the Lynx will almost pretty much certainly have 11 players in the 2022 season just didn't leave a lot of room on the roster i don't think this is necessarily a great move for the Lynx this year more of a next year thing but for the aces the aces are not messing around and you better believe their new gm and head coach becky hammond is got her eyes on the prize so back to the draft dream first on the clock number one overall pick from the mystics uh they sent the Dream did, sent their number three and number 14 picks in 2022 uh, for a first-round pick swap with the Mystics uh, to get that first-round pick. So, the Dream picking first, uh, but the Indiana Fever have four first-round picks, including number two. Uh, so, you're going to see them a lot at the top of the pyramid there, and they need it. Man, they need it. And it's also interesting because as I started to look at numbers for the season last year with the WNBA... One thing that stood out to me about the Indiana Fever, I mean, the Dream as well, both these teams at the bottom of the 12 teams in the WNBA, both these teams shoot a lot, a lot of mid-range shots, and I'm just not a fan, not a fan. And the Indiana Fever, by and large, had the largest percentage of that. And I was like, oh my God, no, like you can't. You got to be like the Aces or even Sylvia Fowles, right? These big ones who are going to just dominate you in the paint. Or be like one of the young spicy teams like the Wings or the Liberty and be like, we're going to shoot a ton of three-pointers. But this mid-range is just, mm. and I know they shoot it a lot more in the women's game and sometimes it's real pretty, but no, don't like it. And bottom two teams, the Fever need a lot of help. Draft eligibility rules, by the way, you're not going to see Paige Beckers or Aaliyah Boston from South Carolina in the draft this year. Uh, they just don't have, yeah, they don't have eligibility yet. Uh, but... There are two players that are considered locks to go in the first two picks in the draft. This is not as fun to bet on. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you can. I'm sure there is. There's a way to bet everything these days. Uh, when we look at like the NFL draft that's coming up at the end of the month, that's something that people love to bet on. And frankly, a lot of people who work at Visa and like that's just easy money for them at some point during the year, um, as far as the betting year goes. But this is not not the same, obviously, because again, cream of the crop rising to the top. Two players going right away probably here. Kentucky guard Ryan Howard and then Baylor forward Nalissa Smith. Consensus picks to, to go first. Ryan Howard, four-time first-team All-SEC, three-time AP first-team All-American, 
Three-time USA gold medalist. Incredible. Scores on all three levels. Real impact on the defensive end. Size, athleticism, you name it, she's got it. Uh, so probably going to the dream first overall. They need her. Uh, and then uh, Nalissa Smith, one of just five players in the country to average at least 20 points and 10 rebounds this season. Incredible athlete, great in transition, rebounder, defender. Maybe needs more improvement on the offensive side is something you would note, but something that she's going to get uh, in that WNBA team. Uh, another prospect, Ole Miss big Shakira Austin. Other than that, pretty open field. No guarantees after that, uh, but lots of needs for other teams. So very exciting. I'm more excited to break down what actually happened. So I don't, you know, we'll talk about what could happen, but let's talk about what actually happens after it happens on Monday. Coming up, LA baseball, not off to a great start. The Dodgers are one and two and the Angels are one and three. We'll talk about it. This is the Los Angeles City Cast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. Bet River Sportsbook is offering new customers a deposit match up to $250 when you sign up today. In addition to their welcome bonus, BetRivers has daily and ongoing promotions that can provide extra value. Download the BetRivers app or go to BetRivers.com today to sign up. Welcome back into the Los Angeles CityCast presented by BetRivers Sportsbook. Danielle Avari here. Talk some quick baseball. Opening day. This is for Fangraphs. The rosters included a total of 275 players representing 21 different countries and territories outside the United States. So that would be 28% of all the players in the league. Dominican Republic being on there, Venezuela, Cuba uh, being the most represented, uh, most represented rather. And the Astros, most internationally born players on their roster with 16. So love to see that. Thought it was an interesting stat. Moving on, Angels-Astros over the weekend. Speaking of the Astros, I thought this was a great tweet by Greg Peterson, who I'm hoping will join the show on Wednesday, reaching out to see what his availability is. He's moved on from college basketball and is ready to start capping some MLB, has already started to do that. He tweeted, Angels were overpriced this whole series. A nice 3-1 to one fading them at good prices is solid. So uh, maybe we'll get him to come on and talk about how the start of his baseball season has gone so far. I like to – baseball especially – First of all, very long season. Second of all, so many metrics to look at. Really hard to keep up with who's pitching, uh, who's not, who's already, how are they looking, what have they done so far this season. Uh, just a lot of things that go into baseball handicapping that can make your head spin. Um, but I will say to, to Greg's point, it, it does seem like the Angels get a little overvalued in the market. And maybe it makes sense because they have Mike Trout and they have Showtime Shohei Otani. They have these two superstars, but... That's the kind of thing that leads you down a path of, oh, well, yeah, of course. Like, I'm betting on these two guys. It's not the NBA. It's not a 10-man roster. It's not five guys on the court, right? And so these two superstars, as amazing as they are and as fun as they are to watch, um, not necessarily always saving their team. Saturday, Justin Verlander, first start since Tommy John surgery, uh, looked really, really solid. Uh, he held the Angels to one run, which was a Jared Walsh solo home run. That was in five innings. Struck out Shohei Otani three times, stranded two runners in the fourth and again in the fifth, uh, and then retired Otani and Mike Trout with runners on second and third in the fifth inning. So not a bad showing. And then also Noah Syndergaard out for the Angels on Saturday also had Tommy John surgery. His in March of 2020, uh, he returned to make two one-inning starts with the Mets at the end of last season. Uh, but then Saturday in action for the Angels for the first real start since... September 2019, 
great to see both these guys back out after those surgeries, especially so quick of a turnaround. Um, obviously not the first one back for Noah, but just really, really good form actually for both sides. Uh, Sunday, Astros able to break open a tight aim, two runs off the Angels. Uh, this, I mean, this was pretty straightforward. We talked about this on Friday's pod, how I've leaned a little bit Astros here, value on the Astros. I believe the Angels were favored in these games, kind of silly. Um, they did. The Astros did have some trouble getting the bats going in, I believe it was Saturday's game. But other than that, I mean, the Astros were the <laughs> runner-up last season so uh, for the championship, so no surprises for me here. But now the Angels get to move on to a slightly less intimidating opponent here on Monday. Marlins on the money line, plus 118. They're at the Angels. They're minus 177 on the run line, uh, which makes sense because the Marlins lost all three of their first three games. All of them were against the Giants, but they only lost by one each game. So run line for this one, minus 177. And then Angels money line, minus 139. I don't think that's out of control yet. I'm hesitant to bet on this team. Based on what we've seen so far. But again, they were against the Astros. So I think you could safely bet on the Angels' money line here at minus 139. And then the Angels' run line. So Angels' minus one and a half runs is plus 140. Not something I would look at necessarily, even though it is the Marlins. Total for this game is sitting at nine and a half. Hernandez starting for the Marlins, most likely. Lorenzen for the Angels. I lean under. Maybe just an under in the first five. No play for me just yet. Still getting a feel for these teams. Right? No rushes. Lots of games to get to. And the Dodgers uh, are in action on Tuesday at the Twins. Not a lot for me to say again about this team just yet, besides they're incredible. It's the Dodgers, just the roster. Talk about excellent roster construction. Uh, on Tuesday, it looks like Archer will get the start for the Twins and Haney for the for the Dodgers. I was going to say the Lakers because I have LA written here. For the Dodgers, who are still in action while the Lakers are not. Uh, what I will say is Case Kiefer of the Las Vegas Sun had this article and made this point, and I thought it was a good one, and I thought I would share with you. The Dodgers, far and above every other team in baseball right now, we know that, but is that gap bigger than their futures price implies, right? So Case was writing about this. He basically said that LA's line implies that it has a 15% chance to win its second World Series in three years. And that that's basically too short for a team whose lineup has Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Trey Turner, Max Muncy, Justin Turner, so many Turners, should turn your head, plus 550, which you can still get uh, in some spots. I, I mean, I know Circa has that. I'm sure I think Bet Rivers has that as well. Uh, it's going to go down. It's even gone down to plus 325 in other places. So... Yeah, Dodgers to win the World Series. Not a bad one to have in your back pocket. Not a fun one necessarily. Not the longest odds, but come on, right? Um, yeah, I do think that their talent far outweighs maybe what we're seeing with some of this money. And that's why, again, we've already seen some places move to something closer to 300. That's what I have on the Dodgers for now. They are in action on Tuesday. We'll see how it goes for them. And I will be back on Wednesday. Thank you so much for listening to the Los Angeles CityCast. As always, if you have questions or anything you want discussed, uh, topics, anything interesting, how your day went, go ahead and tweet at me, at Danielle Avari, and I'll see you back here on Wednesday. Come on back for the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet Rivers.